What's going on, everyone? And welcome in to Blizzard's podcast, filled to the brim with glitchy analysis and freezing cold takes so cold that they're boiling hot. Today's episode is proudly sponsored by our great sponsor, Hungry Howie's Baton Rouge. Check out their website for both delivery and takeout deals. Right now, they've got an awesome special. Get a large one-topping pizza for just $7.99. Thank you so much to Hungry Howie's Baton Rouge. Now, last week, I did my NFL mock-ish draft and gave you options for each team in the top 10 of the 2023 NFL draft. But this time, we're talking NBA draft. And instead of a mock draft, I'm just going to give you my top 10 prospects and my analysis on each of them as well. So without further ado, let's get into it. Number 10. The 10th best prospect, in my opinion, Jarris Walker, freshman forward out of Houston. Now, to me, Walker is the most ferocious player on this list. An extremely strong defender, he captivates exactly what a starting NBA wing needs to do on the defensive side of the ball, which is guard all five positions. Walker is the new model of positionless forwards that the NBA is transitioning to. And it seems that he is completely okay not being the number one option on a team which is rare for a top 10 prospect. He makes a huge impact on the floor without the ball in his hands. Now, if hustle plays were recorded, Walker would be top 10 in the nation in college this year in those stats. The knocks against him is that he's not a terrific three-point shooter or free throw shooter. If your team is down late in games, you don't want Walker with the basketball, nor do you want him at the line shooting free throws while your team is up close. Now, over time, I think he'll develop a jump shot to adapt to the new NBA, But for now, teams will be drafting a guy with just a massive motor inside him. If I had to give a comp, I would probably say somewhere between Herb Jones for the Pelicans and Kenneth Fareed, the old forward for the Nuggets. Walker has shown some improvement over the latter half of the season, scoring 10 points or more in 7 of his last 11 games. But overall, drafting him to be a great starter on a team that needs defense, he's your guy. Now... The ninth prospect that we're going to talk about is Anthony Black, a freshman guard out of Arkansas. Black is the true definition of a combo guard in this modern NBA. He's a great pick-and-roll passer and playmaker and can easily play off the ball. He's got an extremely twitchy lower body that allows him to blow by his defenders off the ball and take his opponents to the rack on the ball. And when he's at his best, he fills the stat sheet on both ends of the floor but his ability to intercept balls off the dribble and in the passing lanes is his most special trait. With his 6'7 size and decently sized frame, he has no problem being the best rebounding guard on the floor. He's not a great shooter or scorer, and as a matter of fact, it's probably his biggest weakness. But pair that lack of shooting with a team like Arkansas, who shoots an abysmal 30% from three, and you have a huge spacing issue. This in turn leads to a lower percent shot in the paint, slower paced, and most importantly, more turnovers. Arkansas barely has a one-to-one assist to turnover ratio because of this, and the team gives the ball up 13 times per game. So basically my point is, is that if Anthony Black is on the floor without shooters on offense, he and the team as a whole play much less efficiently. My comp would be somewhere around the Michael Carter-Williams range, and he was just an inch and 10 pounds less than Black, but had an almost identical play style. At his best, Carter Williams put up 17, 6, 6, and 2 in a season, but it was on one of the worst teams in NBA history. To me, Black has the potential to do more. He just needs the right fit where he can either be a slashing playmaker 
on a starting unit or command role-playing shooters coming off the bench for a winning team that values space over pace. Now, moving on to number eight, we've got Anthony Black's teammate, Nick Smith Jr., another freshman guard out of Arkansas. Now, like I said, he's another combo guard who's a top 10 prospect to me. Nick Smith Jr. is one of the best scorers in this draft class. His quickness, both vertically and laterally, allows him to maneuver around bigger and slower defenders. And what makes him so dynamic is his ability to score at all three levels of the floor. He's been dealing with a knee injury, but in games that he's looked fully healthy to me, Smith is averaging 19 points per game on 47% from the floor and 37% from three, not to mention 82% from the charity strike. He has a dynamic finishing package as well as a pretty quick release and a decently polished jumper. However, like almost all prospects, Smith does come with caveats. He's listed at 6'5", 185 pounds, but his build looks way more slender than what his weight says. On the defensive side, he's a liability inside the three-point line and even outside the three-point line. Bigger guards use their size to get into his chest and make him use his hands, which causes a lot of fouls. I think NBA teams will look to create mismatches on him when it comes to the half-court setting and especially during transition. He has a frame that can add some bulk, but the two questions will be, will the bulk that he add cause him to slow down or can he add the bulk, period? Another issue that causes concerns for me is his lingering knee injury that occurred at Arkansas. He missed the first six games of the season and then missed almost two months of time trying to manage that knee injury. With a guard that relies heavily on his quickness to get to the basket or create space, a knee injury raises some red flags and just looks like a Lonzo Ball injury, mayhaps. Now, when it comes to comparisons, I've seen a lot of people and analysts compare him to Jordan Poole but to me, there is another Jordan in the league that has an almost identical build and play style to him. And that's Jordan Clarkson. At his best, Clarkson is a crafty, skinny two guard that can play the one and just get buckets. He averages 15 plus points per game for his career and has been on one of the best benches in the league year in and year out. He's also a six man of the year award winner. Now, in a feature role, he's scoring 20 plus points per game. In terms of shooting and where he scores it, extremely similar to the style that Nick Smith Jr. plays with. The best part about Clarkson, and in my opinion, Nick Smith, is that they can casually fit in almost every single system on offense because of their versatility from being able to score at the basket, in mid-range, and the three-point line. Now, coming in at number seven here is Cam Whitmore, a freshman forward out of Villanova. Personally, this is one of my favorite prospects in the draft because of his play style. Cam Whitmore is the best drive-to-the-basket and finishing prospect in the draft. He's 6'7", 232 pounds, and is an absolute force when he bull rushes the paint. Unlike other pure slashers, his handle on the ball is good enough that he is not really a liability on the perimeter, but what truly makes Whitmore special is his defense. His 7'3 wingspan makes him extremely versatile on the defensive end of the floor. Whitmore jumps passing lanes and transitions, block shots at the rim, smothers opponents off and on the ball, and can guard all five positions. He's extremely vertical, which means he uses that to his advantage often when it comes to defending the rim. But where there's upside, there's always risk. Whitmore lacks the shooting that most starting forwards in the NBA possess. That will be an extremely important part of his offseason regiment before the draft, but more importantly, what's more important is his ability to make the right basketball play sometimes. I've seen Whitmore try to drive into two or three guys 
while there's at least one teammate wide open in the corner or on the wing. It seems that he likes to play hero ball and hold down X while he relentlessly drives into the paint. As good a finisher as he is, Whitmore doesn't have the skill set to get through two and three defenders at the rim right now. But more importantly, this leads to a costly number of turnovers. As of this recording, Whitmore has 38 turnovers and just 15 assists. The shoot first mentality always is going to get him benched quickly, especially after getting a shot blocked or having a ball ripped out of his hands in back-to-back possessions. Overall, though, Whitmore has the potential to be a great finisher and defender and can grow to overcome his weaknesses in shooting and turnovers. I compare his play style to Obi Toppin and Miles Bridges. Toppin and Whitmore are built very similarly, but the advantage of Whitmore has over the flashy slashers like Toppin is his defensive mentality. In the NBA today, the most important aspect of the game for non-stars is being a capable defender and Cam Whitmore exceeds the expectations tremendously. Coming in at number six on my list is Asar Thompson, a 20-year-old that plays in the Overtime Elite League. Coming in at number six on my list is Asar Thompson, the 20-year-old out of Overtime Elite, the new league in Atlanta. Asar Thompson, twin of Amen Thompson, is a dynamic slashing guard who can rise above the rim at any occasion. Asar and Amen both declared for the Overtime Elite League, which features 16 to 20-year-old phenoms in high school and just into college. However, many critics of this career path say it's not competitive or strenuous enough like the G League or playing in the Euro League or playing in college basketball. That being said, Asar Thompson's athletic ability is undeniable. He's 6'5", 205 pounds and has a 38-inch vertical. Asar can fly high with the best in the draft class and unlike other slashers under him, Asar can play make with the ball in his hands at a competent level but he shines when the ball is not in his hands. To me, he's the best on-ball defender in the draft. He has a great stance that can flip as quickly as a crossover and can pick up the ball at 94 feet going back. The best part about his game is his hustle and grit and grind mentality. He seems to have no problem being given the tough assignments on defense. He actually takes pleasure in it, even if it means a limited role on offense. His biggest weakness is his shooting on all levels, mid-range, three-point, and free-throw line. His stroke is not an up-and-down motion. It's more of a catapult, which is far outdated. Another red flag that many scouts look at is his level of competition. The Overtime Elite League is a fresh startup, and so the level of talent is sparse to say at best. But to me, it's no different taking a Sar Thompson than taking a player fresh out of high school. The last thing that he and plenty of young players in low competition atmospheres do that he won't be able to get away with in the NBA is relying on his athletic gifts. We already see glimpses of that happening in the overtime league. When Asar drives, sometimes he rises to take shots but realizes it's too late to even try to attempt the shot and then either tries to force a bad shot or make a bad pass. Over time, With NBA experience, he'll have to read the NBA paint better to stay on the NBA floor. When thinking of NBA comparisons, I see a lot of Jalen Brown. Over time, Brown has developed a competent jumper. His defense and driving is what made him an all-star to begin with. And at the beginning of his career, Brown was only making .6 three-pointers a game and shooting just 68% from the free throw line. But now he makes more than two threes a game and he shoots much improved 78% from the free throw line. Asar can potentially grow into that co-star role, but only if he's given the time and the space to let his game grow naturally. Now, this is my quote-unquote steal of the lottery. 
Coming in at number five is Keontae George, a freshman guard out of Baylor. George is the most modern pick for this year's draft for shooting guards. He's a player that plays an extremely tough physical defense and can shoot the three. He's stocky and broad, but still maintains sneaky athleticism and quickness to get to the rack. But unlike other guards in this draft, is a very good three-point shooter and can space the floor and run a modern NBA offense. When George is feeling it, the whole arena gets hot, and he can make extremely contested jumpers and lay-ins. He takes his on-ball assignments on defense extremely personal and channels that inner challenge into energy that transitions into the offensive end. If you need some type of bucket, he is your guy in this draft for young guards. Another positive that I thought was noteworthy is so far George is the only prospect on this list who leads a top 10 team in scoring. So far on this list, we'll get to that later. For a freshman to lead a team like Baylor with over 16 points a game is truly special. George's scoring comes with some stipulations, though. He takes a high-volume amount of shots, and with that territory comes with contested shots, taking some shooting dips every now and then. As of now, George shoots below 40% from the field and below 40% from three. Part of this reason behind this is because the contested shots George is taking lacks the elite separation skills that a lot of other guards can give. His best deep ball comes from the catch, which is fine, but he still takes shots off the dribble, which don't necessarily correlate into baskets. NBA defenders are more likely to get in his grill to stop his forceful drives, so working on that pull-up game will be key for him in the offseason. If I had to compare him to anyone, it would be to Grizzlies shooting guard Desmond Bain. The two have very similar body types and shot selection. But once again, what makes these shot takers special is the fact that they're the opposite of a liability on the defensive side of the ball, like a lot of old three-point shooters like Kyle Korver. George, to me, has played his way into the fifth best for me for now, and in part, it's due to his level of confidence. On the court and in interviews, he's got the confident mentality of, hey, I'm the best player on the floor, and I'm going to score some buckets and get some stops. George doesn't need a system or a roster to build around him. He can hoop no matter where he is, and that's why he's number five on my list. Now, number four on my list is Amin Thompson, the twin brother of Asar. Amin is everything that his brother is and a little bit more. At 6'7", 200 pounds, Amin can fly higher than anyone in the draft class of note. He posted a 40-inch vertical, and unlike other combine performers, it showed on the court. Amin's abilities to catch lobs is of note because it adds to a plethora of skills that he possesses both in the half-court setting and in transition. But overall, he's in my top five prospect list because of his playmaking ability. His assist numbers aren't super high, but it seems that he understands what it means to make the right basketball play. Even in the fast-paced transition possessions, like off a turnover, Amin is always looking at the court itself and not just at the basket. However, like his brother, the level of competition is just not the same as college or the G League or the Euro League. It looks like the Thompson brothers are playing chess while the rest of his overtime league are playing checkers. The one quality that Amin lacks that his brother doesn't is his feel for the game without the ball in his hands on offense. But overall, the main thing that he and many others need to work on in this class is shooting. He's streaky at best and has the same mechanics as his brother, so they both need to spend a lot of time with a shooting coach or somebody else to finally get that shot down. I compare him to DeJounte Murray, 
The athleticism and defensive mindset is extremely similar. Murray also struggled with his shots early in his career, and his passing capabilities dramatically improved over time. A man has the potential to just be like Murray in being a star number two on a team like he is on the Hawks now, and that could play winning basketball for a long period of time. So Amen Thompson, number four on my list. Number three on my list, the supposed deliverer himself, Brandon Miller, a freshman forward out of Alabama. The best college prospect in this draft this year by a long shot. Brandon Miller is taking a 3 and D label to the next level. Miller is one of the few prospects that I've seen so far that can consistently crank it from NBA range. But what makes his game so dangerous is his ability to put the ball on the floor and shot create unlike some other players of his stature and skill level. Miller can hit mid-range jumpers, finish pretty well, and knock down free throws. He's the only prospect in college in the lottery shooting 40% from the floor, shooting 40% from three, and 80% from the free throw line. That is a beautiful stat line for a college prospect going into the pros. Miller is also an extremely capable defender. He has no problem guarding one through four and can take them on the perimeter, off the dribble, or down in the paint. Like Keontae George, Miller is one of the only lottery prospects in college to lead a top 10 team in scoring. Even with tough SEC opponents knowing his game, he can still get to his shots because of his ability to spread the floor. There are a couple of red flags that have recently risen. First, and probably more importantly, Miller is not extremely athletic, nor does he possess things like good first steps, lateral quickness, or other traits that you look for in a top scoring option. Right now, he counters that deficit with his ability to just shoot over people with his size and his range. But will that be enough against bigger and quicker NBA talent? Who's to say? The other red flag is this murder case that has been hovering over the Alabama basketball team for the past month. As of right now, Miller has not been charged with anything, but he is directly linked to delivering the gun that his teammate Darius Miller used to kill a 23-year-old woman in Tuscaloosa. To me, this raises questions about his priorities, his maturity, etc., etc. But overall, I think Miller is the most sure prospect so far on this list. His game most easily transfers to the modern NBA, and I compare him to Brandon Ingram, who is not the fastest guy in the league, but uses his length and his range to take his shots and make them at a high clip. I think Miller will do the exact same thing. Now, number two, this personally is my most coveted prospect. I think that this is like the steal in the draft, quite frankly, because he's not going number one. But number two, Scoot Henderson, a 19-year-old in the G League Ignite team. If it wasn't for the number one prospect on this draft list, which we'll get to later, it's no question to me that Scoot Henderson would be the consensus number one pick in this year's draft. Leaving high school one year early to enter into the G League was a bold strategy that not too many players or phenoms take, but it played brilliantly for Henderson. Coming into the G League, there were tons of questions about his game and if it would translate to the NBA. Henderson stands at 6'3 and weighs just 195, as a smaller guard, questions came up about whether or not that he would be able to match up against opponents on offense or defense. Well, in his two years in the G League, he easily put the arguments to rest. He averaged 16.5 points per game in his G League career and shot the ball well for a guard at almost 46% through his career. That is extremely impressive. Now, what allows Henderson to do that is the fact that he's built like a grown freaking man. 
in terms of pound for pound, he's the strongest prospect in this class by a long shot. As a point guard, he's been mostly shoot first, but he has no issue finding and setting up his open teammates for success. I love what he can do both in transition and in the half court in terms of maximizing what his body is capable of when he accelerates or elevates. He's got freak Derrick Rose verticality with the Aaron Fox type speed. To be honest, he doesn't have a lot of red flags. He's got some shooting issues, but in the six games so far that he's played in the G League this season, he shot 47% from three. Not to mention, he doubled his shots from long range from the season before. In terms of player comparisons, I see a ton of John Wall. The acceleration with the ball is where I see it the most, and the mentality that Wall took to get to the basket is very similar to Henderson's. The way the two can change pace while facing different defenses is extremely valuable. As a floor general, Scoot Henderson could become an all-star extremely quickly. Be sure to keep your eye on him. Like I said, he's going number two, I think, but he's still the steal of the draft. Now, number one is I'm questionable about him. I gave a pleasant freezing cold take about him, but you have to take him number one overall, Victor Wimbanyama. The 19-year-old from France, he is just, I don't even know what position he plays. Power forward, center, small forward, does not matter. Unicorn is an understatement. Victor is the most heavily scouted player since LeBron James. Now think about the great prospects in all of those drafts. Kevin Durant, Zion Williamson, Anthony Davis, you name it. Victor's legend is just growing greater by the second. There's not really anything that I can think of that he can't do. He can post up, shoot the three, extend from mid-range, put the ball on the court, defend on the wing, defend the rim, and he can do almost all of that at an elite level. He's 7'3 and has an 8-foot wingspan. That's right, 8-foot wingspan. That's otherworldly measurables. This man is Kevin Durant and Chris Tepps Porzingis combined. In terms of seeing a player like him in history, there's not one. People have tried to make comparisons. Does not exist. He's a one-of-one one prospect, and there will probably never be someone like him again. But this comes all at a risk. Can he be healthy? Can he overcome his slight frame? At 7'3", he's only 230 pounds, and I've seen him get pushed out of the paint in several occasions. But most importantly, he's already had three minor injuries to his leg, his hand, and his shoulder. Some freakishly talented bodies like Greg Oden, Zion Williamson, and Anthony Davis can't take the night-in and night-out pounding of the NBA, and it derails what they could be or could have been. But let me keep it simple. Regardless of any of these negatives, you have to take him number one. He's an undeniable talent, and he's an undeniable prospect. You have to take him with the number one pick. I don't care that he probably or could be a bust. In my opinion, he's going to be, but there's no way you can't take the chance on this guy. He is a one-of-one one prospect. Now that, ladies and gentlemen, is going to do it for this episode. Make sure that you leave a like on this, whether it's on Spotify or on YouTube. Leave a comment on YouTube. Send us questions on social media. You can follow us on Instagram and TikTok. And last but not least, ladies and gentlemen, thank you all so much for tuning in, and we'll see you next time. Thank you.